Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and today we're going to be talking about the eighth track on Kate Bush's debut album, The Kick Inside, called Feel It. about this song is my wonderful husband Andrew Link. Hello there. So that I'm not up here just talking by myself and I have somebody to talk with. The cats would listen to you if you sat up here alone. And actually they do. They would sit staring (laughs) at you and purring and walking across your keyboard. Yes as they tend to do. I was one of my cats Anya. She's a little black kitty cat. She loves to sit Right on my piano. Speaking of piano, so this song. Um, very piano. Very piano. And uh, is it hot in here or is it just me? <laughs> um, I can go ju- adjust the thing. Like... <laughs> no, I think it's the song. Oh, well, in that case. Uh, oh, yeah. We could, we could listen to something else if this is too, uh, too unnerving. <laughs> no, not at all. So we have gotten to a song. This is the eighth track on her album. And it is the first piano and vocal song on this album. It is pretty distinct in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, although coming right after James and the Cold Gun is probably a good sequencing because it, it, it takes you from, you know, you get that piano heavy song that has other things mixed in. And then we drop down to this pure piano song. So that's a nice transition. Yeah. So this is this. Uh, has a little bit of a story kind of behind the song. This was one of three tracks that were recorded just piano and vocal in one day while she was recording The Kick Inside. Oh, what were the other tracks? Ha! I'd love to know. <laughs> Are they lost to the archives of Kate? Probably. Perhaps even never... Just records destroyed. We, we're not going to do anything with this. Probably. Mm. I want to know what those other two songs were. If any of you listening might happen to know what those other two songs are, please, please contact me. Because, excuse me, I want to know what the... Why, excuse me. <laughs> Maybe if any of you are time travelers who were standing in the recording studio with your cell phone going. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, because... Go back in time, have a cell phone. Oh, yeah. So this was recorded in one day with two other tracks while she was recording The Kick Inside in the summer of 1977. She was not quite 19 when it was recorded. She was born in born on July 30th, 1958, so 77. So she was not quite 19, turned 19 while this album was being recorded. And this song is just piano and vocal, 
There are no other instruments. It's just, it feels like they, they mic'd up the, the piano, they mic'd up her voice, and just, okay, let it run. What's notable to me about this song is not just that it's piano and vocal, but to me, this feels like it goes back to her roots. How do you mean that? Well, Kate Bush was not the kind of kid to go outside and play with the other kids on the neighborhood block or whatever. In fact, they lived on a farm that was a little bit away from the city. I think nowadays the place where she grew up, Wickham Farm, is now a part of London. But at the time, it was like out in the suburbs (laughs) a little bit. So she was kind of isolated a little bit from everybody else. And instead of going out and playing with the neighborhood kids, she would sit inside and compose. Her dad showed her how to play the C note on the piano, and she just took it from there. And since she grew up in a very artistic kind of family, and her her family encouraged her to, to write and to just express herself, so she would sit inside just playing piano all the time. So this goes back to her just sitting at the piano and just singing whatever comes to mind. I, I do like that picture of her just sitting there and, you know, noodling with the piano. I mean, you, you do that all the time. So yes, I, I do. So you feel a connection <laughs> to that. Yeah. And and actually, she's she's talked a little bit about her beginnings as a piano songwriter this song doesn't have really have any many quotes. It doesn't have anything directly from her about just this song. But other people have talked about the song, and I'll get to that in, in a little bit. But what Kate has said about her beginnings. This is from Gaffa.org. Uh, and in one of the sections of the website, they compiled a lot of quotes from her about her early recordings. I feel as though I've built up a real relationship with the piano, she says. It's almost like a person. Like, it's really comforting just to sit down and play it. And the piano almost dictates what my songs will be about. If I haven't got a particular idea, I just sit down and play chords, and then the chords almost dictate what the song should be about, because they have their own moods. Like, a minor chord is very likely to tell me something sad. A major chord tells me something a little more up-tempo, and like on a more positive level of thinking. If I ever made enough money, I'd like to get a piano that sings. A great big singing beast like a Steinway. You get ideas for songs from all sorts of situations. I just start playing the piano and the chords start telling me something. Lyrics for me just seem to go with the tune, very much hand in hand. Some lyrics take a long time to come. Others just come out like, she gestures wildly with her hand, like diarrhea. When I'm at the piano writing a song, I like to think I'm a man, not physically, but in the areas that they explore. When I'm at the piano, I hate to think that I'm a female, because I automatically get a preconception. Which is interesting for her to mention, because at the time, the record company wanted her to, they were thinking of marketing her kind of like a Joni Mitchell or Carole King which makes sense given the time and that not many other piano people were around other than, say, Elton John. Um, as far as females go, the biggest one was Carol King. Another person I've heard of who never got 
any kind of traction here in the U.S. I don't even think they released her music here. I had to look up who she was. Another one was Lindsay DePaul, who had a huge hit with a song called Sugar Me. If you're listening, you're from the UK, you're probably nodding like, oh, yep, yep. But for other people, um, she was she was a female singer-songwriter. Her music is like, honestly, it's like typical 70s music. There's It's nothing really special to me, but it's piano-driven. So her record company was going to try and market her kind of in that, oh, kind of pop female with a piano vibe. And mm, no, that's not quite her. But it's interesting just to hear her talk about composing at the piano because that's where it all started for her. That's where she she just she stayed inside and she would compose for hours and hours and hours. And when I get to the next song, Oh to Be in Love, that one was also that one was something that she wrote when she was a teenager and then it just got beefed up for the album. But there's a demo version of that floating around where again it's just her sitting at the piano, recording it with a like a tape recorder. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that's how a lot of her songs started. And there's, uh, I'm actually going to do an episode about the Kathy demos, which are these demos of her just sitting at the piano, just noodling around. And that's how all of her songs start. And so listening to this makes me think of a better sounding version of those demos. Well, I mean, a repeating theme of this album is that as a teenager, Kate Bush was composing some good music and some mostly good lyrics Mm -hmm. that really laid a foundation for the the strange uh experimental work that she would be doing in her 20s and 30s before she kind of disappeared from music for a while and came back yeah to have a kid and have a family and all that but I mean, she she really had a good foundation to work on, even as a teenager with these early demos that then became songs. Um, she was doing some good work. Mm-hmm. And especially with these lyrics, like, oh my gosh, these lyrics. There are a. L- Honestly, like my favorite lyrical moments of this song are pretty much the whole thing. <laughs> like my favorite moment of this song is, is uh, it starts at zero 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 <laughs> and ends at um, when the song ends. So these lyrics are about budding love. Um, a review that I read of this album mentions that uh, this quote is a quote, a song about a woman who is looking forward to enjoying a relationship with a man she has not yet explored. And oh, do you get do you get that from this lyric? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, the Woo! Thing... <laughs> my goodness. The, the thing about this song is it actually really reminds me of another song. Really? Oh, Goodbye and go. You were playing that before we started rolling. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> before we started recording, and maybe you could put, add in a clip of it. I don't know, but uh, oh, I think I could. Good night and go by Imogen Heap. Yeah, another quirky female, another quirky British lady. Really has a similar feel to this for me. Just the whole, 
you know, it, it that song opens up, you know, skipping beats, blushing cheeks, I am struggling, daydreaming bed scenes in the corner cafe. Uh, and then it just goes on and on into her imagining what it would like to be in a relationship with this guy she sees at the cafe. kind of quirky music and and the imaginative woman expressing what she wants lyrics i i feel a lot of connection between those two songs and that's the thing like in this song it's talking to it's a woman expressing her sexual wants and honestly there are not enough positive songs from women about their sexual desires and oh do you get this like no one else can share this here comes one and one makes one the glorious union well it could be love or it could be just lust but it will be fun it will be wonderful she's talking about like well actually you know this could be really awesome (laughs) instead of she's not ashamed she's not ashamed of her her own sexual desires like it feels like she is the woman that bob dylan is singing about in lay lady lay (laughs) (laughs) and she's come to life and she's expressing her desires and i love that about this song this is not in my top 10 but it is a favorite on this album because I love how positively she is talking about sex. And she's not doing it. She's not doing it in a crude way. Like when, when I was looking at notes for this song, and then I, like, I went, okay, what are some other female songs about sex? And a lot of like the web search I went to with like your top 10 sexy female songs, honestly, a lot of them are crude. Like they're, they're crude about it. And... Uh, you know, I'm I'm not prudish <laughs> in any way, but this song is very different from, say, like a little Kim or something like that, where she she's talking about it in a very, very sweet and sensual 
it's not raunchy. <laughs> if, if on one end of the the, the, the spectrum we have like, like like something from the 50s, like a Rosemary Clooney song about how she loves this boy, but she can't have him. Uh, and on the other end, we have like something by who, who was that woman who hit the who hit the top of the charts with a rap song just this week? Yeah, a uh, Cardi B, a Bodak Yellow, Money Moves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if we consider that our spectrum, and uh, I'm going to put, say, Tovlo. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, it, we're talking body. You've got a perfect one, so put it on me. Yeah, and so <laughs> if, if we're putting, if that's our spectrum, and, and Tovlo hmm. is kind of like three quarters of the way up there towards Money Moves, what are you, where would you put this song? I would put it somewhere in between those, because it's... Is it like south of Tovlo, north of Tovlo? What, do you, what would you say? It's, I think it's somewhere between those like veiled 50 songs and Tovlo. It's talking about sex in a more romantic way, rather than like super, super urgent, like the way the talking body is. Like you, and if we're talking body, you've got a perfect one, so put it on me. Versus, so you're saying this one is uh, not necessarily purely sexual. It's also it's the stuff leading up. It's also the stuff leading up to the sex act. Okay. I mean, I mean, you get a little bit of foreplay, like God, but you're beautiful, aren't you? Feel your warm hand walking around. I won't pull away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely like okay. There's a little bit. There's a little bit of foreplay going on there. God, but you're. Beautiful and you feel your warm hand walking around. I won't pull away. My passion always. And there's the and then when she she's keep on a moving in, keep on a tuning in synchronized rhythm now that you know, it's leading up to the sex act, but it's not talking about the sex act itself. It's just everything leading up to it. Okay. Keep on a moving in, so keep on a tuning in, synchronize rhythm now. And so, and so you like that there's ownership of desire going on here, mm-hmm. but it's it's a lead up, it's a build up, it's not just trying to hit you in the face with sexuality, it's... Mm-hmm. It's showing the emotional journey of building up towards the desire. Yeah. And it's it's an interesting song to listen to when you realize what her background is. That she grew up in a very artistic family that did not shy away from talking about the deep stuff. And a lot of that was the influence of her older brother, Jay, who wrote some admittedly sometimes very graphic poetry and he would share it with the family and thus she got to hear it. So she would come home from a very strict Catholic school where you're, you know, very, it's where everything is very rigid and she come home and everybody is sharing interesting musical instruments. Cause that's her older brother, other older brother, Patty, would bring home interesting musical instruments or they were listening to folk music that uh, was not exactly uh, family-friendly or PG (laughs) in some cases, 
when we get to the title track, the kick inside. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. So given her background and that she she was a part of a family that wasn't afraid to of talking about the big stuff and especially sex, it's no wonder that she's like, yeah, I wrote a song about sex. What of it? <laughs> That's why you can't just pigeonhole her into... Uh, she she was extremely open and free or liberal on sexuality or she was extremely repressed because she's coming from this family where her brother wrote poems that you told me are literally shelved in the pornography section of life of the British library. Yeah. Uh, and then she was also going to a more conservative school. Mm-hmm. She's, she's experiencing the complexity of life in this song. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, definitely expressing her desires, but like you were saying, it's it's a build up, not mm-hmm. not the explosion. Yeah, <laughs> to take you know to kind of paraphrase one of her older brother's poems. <laughs> My goodness, and certainly this expression of her own sexuality was not lost on reviewers. I found quite a few quotes from people talking about the song or mentioning the song. One of them says, um, the chorus of Feel It is more erotic than any of Rod Stewart's crude suggestions or Donna Summer's pathetic panting. That was the Crawdaddy review of The Kick Inside from Gaffa.org. I mean, I think it's it's good that Kate is able to express herself to this degree mm-hmm. and that she felt comfortable creating art. And I mean, ba- basically what I'm getting f- from you about this song is that there's maybe not terribly much to say about uh, Feel It itself, but Feel It is the first of many tracks that she would compose and release where... Uh, Kate was uh, open about her own desires, open about Mm -hmm. uh, a female perspective on sexuality. And so it feel it is a good song in itself. But the sense I'm getting from you is that you view this as a a harbinger of things to come, of of an example of her early interest in frank lyrics and expressing what she feels no matter what social mores might uh, suggest is appropriate or not. Definitely. And it's certainly later on when we get to, oh, let's see, the title track for The Sensual World. The title track for The Sensual World, which is going to come up probably like two years after this is done, um, is based on the soliloquy from Molly Bloom. Uh, from James Joyce, and it's just based around her soliloquy at the end of the book where it she's got this fantasy of being with her lover, and there's lots of, oh, yes, oh, yes, and everything in it. And she does her own, like, lyrical take on it because she wasn't allowed to use the actual words from Ulysses, but then... Well, Later yeah, because on, because James Joyce was banned m- in multiple occasions in yeah. multiple countries <laughs> for his frank depictions of life. <laughs> yeah, but of course, later on, she 
did get actual permission in them for director's cut, it was called Flower of the Mountain. It was her actually singing the real words from James Joyce over the backing for her song, The Sensual World. So, yeah, this, basically, yeah, this is a harbinger of her being very frank about female desires, which, you know, as a woman, I thoroughly appreciate. I'm like, hey, speak it. Yep. Speak it, girl. Mm-hmm. All right, so what do you, so um, I mean, I I enjoy the song. I, I mean, personally, for my for my personal tastes, if we're gonna go for songs in this vein, I think I prefer the Imogen Heap style one. But that's just because I I like the yeah. more electronic music, and I do too. But uh, what would you say your personal thoughts are on this song? Um, well, this is one of my favorites from the album. It's not in my top ten overall. My top 10 overall Kate songs will slowly get revealed as this podcast goes on. So you'll have to pay attention to when I say, oh, this is a top 10. And I have a cute little sound effect that will go after that when I get, this is a top 10. This is one of my favorites from this album. I like that it's just her and the piano. I like that she left it just piano and voice. It You get to really focus on... The lyrics and the, oh my God, the beautiful melody. Um, Like everything she does in her first few albums, she's going all over the place with her voice. And some might say that, oh, she sounds squeaky or screechy. I like it. I like that the, I love that the melody goes up and down with the emotions. It feels like something from a musical. And I've said that before about other songs on this album like the previous song you had said james and the coal gun sounds like something from a wild west saloon musical this sounds like something from a musical as well in my opinion because it goes the melody is not a strict pop melody it's going up and down with her with her words and her emotions which is something you find more in musical theater and I I love that it's a sex-positive song. <laughs> there are not enough of those kind of things. Um, you can definitely hear the influence of her background. Was this song performed live? Yes, it was. It was performed during the third act of her tour of life. It was done right after Symphony in Blue, which is the first track from Lionheart and a track that I hope to to discuss with Danny McAvoy, who is a huge Kate fan. He's covered her stuff on his YouTube channel and he was actually there at the Liverpool Empire on the first night of her tour, seeing her live. Mm-hmm. And that's his favorite song. Um, this comes right after Symphony in Blue, which is also another song that mentions sex. <laughs> the more I think about sex, the better it gets. Here we have our purpose in life. <laughs> so it makes sense that she put those two songs together because they talk about desire from a female perspective. Um, in the previous song, she's just sitting at the piano while there are projections of musical notes on the open 
on the the piano. And then when the song ends, there's like this Moog synthesizer line that's playing, um, doing variations on, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Gymnopades, which is a, uh, a work from Eric Satie. He was known, he was an early uh, 20th century composer. I'd say he was 20th century. And he wrote kind of unusual chord progressions and it's a piece that is usually played very slow. It's known for its use of seventh chords rather than just playing major chords. So there, things have a slight jazzy sort of feel to it, like jazz before jazz almost. So there's this like that's playing around with gymnopedies that do 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 do, and so she gets up from the piano. Somebody hands her tea. Just says, "Well, she sings. She must have tea." I actually had tea a while ago. Somebody hands her tea. She gets a little swig of tea. And then they bring it away. And Simon Drake, the magician for the tour, who came out during some of the songs or in between songs to do magic tricks and illusions while stuff was going on, she gets kind of whisked away. And she kind of walks around, like stumbles around, like she's kind of like in a haze. And then Simon um, Simon hands her. Uh, he he kind of like she she looks like she's trying to get to him, but then he kind of like slips away and keeps doing magic tricks, and she just kind of wanders around in a bit of a haze. Somebody like uh, strings a bunch of streamers around her, and then she kind of wanders around a little bit, and then as the song interlude ends. She sits back down at the piano, kind of looking all hazy, and then she starts playing that iconic opening riff for Feel It. She's the only person on the stage. She's dressed all in like her shoulder length, kind of permed, frizzy hair, big thick bangs. She's got 
pretty glittery makeup on and she's wearing this beautiful blue leotard that's got like a swoop front and a swoop neck in the back and what looks like some sort of contrasting color uh like sequiny belt and she's like playing piano and occasionally like looking at the audience looking all like like doe-eyed and I guess she probably she's trying to convey somebody who's just Oh, I'm just kind of caught up in love. But like the way she looks at the odds, oh, she's very expressive with her face. You know, kind of, she's kind of like looking out at the audience and then she kind of looks back and plays a little bit. And then she kind of like looks back, kind of like, hi. Mm-hmm. And all the while she is singing into this canary yellow mic that makes its appearance during the songs when she's singing and she's not doing the headset mic. It's a very simple performance. She's the only one on stage, but she expresses the song, not just through her piano playing, but also the way she's like looking out at the audience. Like she looks like she could be an actress or something. Hmm. And considering that she, she, she thinks of doing live work as putting on a major performance and showing the audience everything you have and, and how she likes to play a role like she looks like like kind of like a lost like thirties movie star or something like the way she's looking at the camera, it's it's very sensual. <laughs> well, she's a gorgeous she's she's she still is a gorgeous lady. Don't blame her, guys. I can see what you mean. <laughs> no wonder British men went whoa. I'm like, well, yeah, she's attractive. No wonder. So, uh, what about uh, any cover versions of this song? So, have you found any? I mean, yeah. I mean, is, is it all just women sitting there singing about you know, the, the the glorious how they feel the oil spill? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist the Bob's Burgers slash Toriyama's reference. I know. Yes, I actually have found some cover versions. Um, one cover was sung by a guy, um, Ron Hollander, and, uh, his version is, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, just, it's a, it's a dude at a piano. After... Party took me back to your parlor. Little nervous laughter locking the door. Your stockings fall onto the floor. Desperate for more, nobody else can share this. Here comes one and one makes one Glorious union But it would be love Or it could be just lust But it will be fun It will be wonderful So, that's him singing uh, Singing a pretty straightforward version of the song But sung by a guy Mm-hmm 
Another version is sung by a somebody I found on YouTube who doesn't have her full name. It's just Tracy. And she's singing a karaoke version. She's not playing any instruments. But she's got a an instrumental of the song and she's singing it. Um that one is that one's pretty good. She's she's got the range for it. Um this this song, like a lot of her songs, requires a range to sing it. <laughs> even I don't even sing all of her songs. I the songs that I like to sing of Kate's are her later songs when she kinda like because of smoking, her voice got a little bit lower. Not as low as say Joni Mitchell, but definitely noticeably lower. Those are the ones that I can sing because <laughs> she's not going way too high. And I'm sorry, I'm a mezzo. I, I can't like stay. Wee! Color it her. No, I can't do that. <laughs> but no, this one, this one's pretty good. So this is kind of more karaoke version, but still, somebody singing Kate. Another version, it's again piano and voice, and it's from Shannon Frost, S H A N E N, and last name Frost, like a oh, frost. God, but beautiful aren't you? Feel your warm hand walking around. I won't pull away, my passion always wins. The not too many covers of this song. It wasn't a single. Mm -hmm. Um, It was. It wasn't. It was released on her album, and then when they did the live CD from Live at the Hammersmith Odeon, this was officially released with that so it's you kind of have to know a little bit more of her stuff to to know this song because it wasn't a single yeah i mean if you ask you know any british person hey kate bush they're probably not going to mention feel it unless they're a fan but it is still it's still it's worth noting um it's the beginning of her expressing female desires and you know as a woman I appreciate that. Thank you. Speak it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can tell the, the, the passion with which you have described your enjoyment of this song <laughs> is, is palpable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I've mostly stayed silent this episode because you know, you, you've got a lot to say. And I, I can mm-hmm. tell that you really care about this song both as as the song itself and what it stands for. Yeah. The, the the sense of freedom and individuality that it has that uh, it is perhaps lacking in, in the music industry even today. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but especially back back when this album came out. When, mm-hmm. when this came out, yeah, this. Nineteen seventy eight. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's not that 
there there was a complete lack of uh, female desire in the music at that time. Mm. But this is, as the reviewer said, uh, this is not showy. This is not being performed for a male audience because, well, I want to turn you on and make you buy my album. <laughs> Britney Spears. Yeah, th- this is... This is not a Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. This is a personal song, and I I like that. Mm-hmm. And the focus, I almost kind of get an impression, since she's influenced by a lot of movies, that this feels to me like almost like, like a soft focus... 30s movie or something like 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 something that's like like it's it's got that like treatment to the film where it looks a little bit softer mm-hmm. like when some of the older movies that we've watched yeah it, like that. I, I see what you mean it's yeah because it, it's, it's romantic it's not you know can't you hear that boom ba ba boom ba boom bass? You got that super bass like in your face, mm-hmm. like Nicki Minaj or a Lil Kim or something like that. Yeah. In conclusion, about this song and this episode, if you're listening to this episode and you're going, oh my gosh, need to talk about Kate with a fellow fan, especially an American fan. As you can probably tell from the way I talk, I'm an American fan. And, you know, we're kind of rare. We're kind of like unicorn (laughs) as American Kate fans. If you want to talk Kate with a fellow fan, please hit me up. I am on Twitter at StrangeKateCast. I am also on Facebook now facebook.com slash Kate Bush podcast. And you can also email me KB, that's B as in boy, KBcast at linkmedia.com. And that's also link with an E. Please hit me up. I would love to hear from you. Even if you just want to share an audio clip of you talking about the song that I can include in an episode, please hit me up. I'm doing this podcast, not just to document each of her songs, but also to meet other Kate fans. Cause frankly, I'm the only one I know who even knows who Kate Bush is. Most of my friends, they listen to Top 40 or whatever, and they, they don't know who Kate Bush is. And I don't think it's just because I live in America where she never really had took a, had a foothold because she didn't really care about breaking America mm-hmm. the way that a lot of British artists like to do. So please hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, email. I want to hear from you. And also, if you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, if you know what those other two songs were that were recorded that day, please let me know, because I want to hear them. I don't know what they were. Hello? Please? Fan wants to know. Anyway. So, thank you so much for being here to talk about Kate with me. Thank you, honey. Oh, yeah. I absolutely enjoyed it. It was nice listening to you express why you love this song so much. Uh, Yay! Like I said, I didn't have a lot to say, but... (laughs) Uh, it was great listening to you and I hope that your listeners enjoy this as much. And if, if they have things to add to the conversation, we're, we're looking for people to join in and, uh, you know, call in on Skype or telephone and be part of this conversation about Kate Bush and, uh, the wonderful music that she has produced. Exactly. So thank you so much for talking with me, honey. Thank you for having me.
and see everybody next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.